Well, hello, friends. My name is Jordan. For those of you that don't know me, I'm one of the pastors at Holy Trinity Church. And if you have any children or grandchildren in your home right now, I would just like to show them our children's Advent banner behind me. Every week of Advent, we've been adding another layer of cloth, the different colors represent peace and hope and joy and love. And now here for Christmas, we add the liturgical color white. It's the color of celebration. And right at the heart of it is this star that we just sung of coming from the East and guiding the wise men to Jesus. In this journey throughout Advent, we've seen visions with the prophets of the coming Messiah. We've listened to John the Baptist prepare the way of the Lord. We've prepared our own hearts. And we've traveled with Mary and Joseph to the city of Bethlehem in eager anticipation. And now the star, light shining in the darkness, leads us to the Savior himself. So friends, would you pray with me as we continue our reflections a little further? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In juxtaposition to the warm and vibrant kind of nativity seeds that I've seen planted throughout people's front yards in my neighborhood, and, and even some of the nativity scenes that we have in our homes, I have a lovely one on my coffee table. This year, I found myself, interestingly enough, contemplating the earthiness or the, the loneliness, or another way one can put it, is the off-the-beaten-track nature of the nativity scene in the gospel story, especially the first seven verses of Luke chapter two. There's little about this scene at face value that speaks of the sensational. There's little that the world would deem inspiring. Government protocols, travel plans, housing complications, a family away from home and displaced from community, a makeshift baby bed in a pop-up hospital room. Is this what Mary and Joseph were preparing for over the last nine months? Is this what the angel meant when he announced the coming of Emmanuel, son of the Most High? No doubt there were some unmet expectations on the first Christmas Eve. And yet God came. Expected or not, he came. See, the Christmas season always brings with it a diversity of expectations and experiences. For some, it's a time of good news and good health and glad anticipation. And for others, it's a time of anxiety and loneliness and pain and sorrow. But this Christmas has brought with it some unique and added layers as well. This is not what we expected or hoped for. <laughs> we wanted to be gathered on this holy night, and yet we find ourselves huddled away in the privacy of our homes. In some ways, people feel like Christmas has been canceled along with everything else. Travel plans canceled, parties canceled, cherished church traditions canceled. And sometimes we find ourselves in a season where we should be singing joy to the world, maybe grumbling and groaning a little more than we're used to. Maybe even frustrated and angry or longing and lamenting. No doubt there are some unmet expectations this Christmas Eve as well. And yet God comes. He still comes, expected or not. Emmanuel, God with us. So the question I've been reflecting on is, what are we to make of this tension that we feel? What are we to make of this kind of internal dissonance between the exceeding joy that we just read of, the angels and the shepherds, 
and yet the isolation and, and some somewhat disappointing circumstances that we find ourselves in. I suspect that Mary and Joseph felt this tension too. I mean, they were probably tired and spent and, and had nothing left by the time they made it to their resting place on that first Christmas Eve. And what little rest that place actually afforded them. Labor pains, sweat and tears, pacing and breathing through the relentless tide of contractions, the intertwining of pain and hope and fatigue and energy and anger and anticipation, all preparing the way for the Lord. And yet when nothing was left, the tiny yet piercing cries of new life entered the world. Here he is. God is born on dirt, on hay, on human clay and cloth. He's finally here. Mary has nothing left, nothing to offer, but the simple warmth of a human embrace. God's presence with her. Mary meets her maker. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that this is not what Mary expected the birth of her firstborn son to be like. This is not what she envisioned and hoped for and prayed for for those months. But this is what she was given. And this is what she received. Emmanuel, God with her, expected or not, he came. And for many of us, the question is, will he come again? Will he come to me? Will I experience the cries of new life? Will he come this Christmas? I would love to read to you a poem that has ministered to me in this season. So bear with me for a few minutes here. It's a poem entitled Cloth for the Cradle by Anne Weems. It goes like this. When the world was dark and the city was quiet, you came. You crept in beside us and no one knew. Only the few who dared to believe that God might do something different. Will you do the same this Christmas, Lord? Will you come into the darkness of tonight's world? Not the friendly darkness, as when sleep rescues us from tiredness, but the fearful darkness in which people have stopped believing that war will end or that food will come or that government will change or that the church cares. Will you come into that darkness and do something different to save your people from death and despair? Will you, Lord, come into the quietness of this town not the friendly quietness, as when lovers hold hands, but the fearful silence, as when the phone has not rung, the letter has not come, the friendly voice no longer speaks, or the doctor's face says it all. Will you come into that darkness, Lord, and do something different, not to distract, but to embrace your people? And will you come into the dark corners and the quiet places of our lives? We ask this not because we're guilt-ridden or want to be, but because the fullness of our lives depends on it. Depends upon us being as open and as vulnerable to you as you were to us when you came. Wearing no more than diapers and trusting human hands to hold their maker. Will you, Lord, come into our lives if we open them to you? and do something different. When the world was dark 
and the city was quiet, you came. You crept in beside us. Do the same this Christmas, Lord. Do the same this Christmas. The Bible says that when Christ does come and slip in beside us, our mourning will be turned into dancing. Our grief will be anointed with the oil of gladness. We will receive good news of great joy as the shepherds did, and our joy will increase in the Lord. Friends, may it be so for you this Christmas. May you discover Christ slipping in, creeping in beside you, where you least expect it. And may you experience his joy and his hope and his peace and his love coming into your life and bringing the healing and the light and the glory that only he can bring. God knows that the world needs it this year. God knows that our country needs it this year. God knows that our state needs it this year. God knows that every one of our relationships and families and homes need it this year. And so come, Lord Jesus, come. Would you creep in beside us? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, with that prayer on our hearts, in our minds, I invite you now to light a candle in your own home to represent the light of Christ coming into your life. Christ has come. Christ is coming. And Christ will come again.